Welcome to episode six of the Highwood Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy, and my guest today is Josh McLean. Josh is the author of the book, Catalyst, Ignite Your Spark to Achieve Powerful Transformation. And he's going to share with us how a life-threatening event forced him to rethink his priorities and recognize that he had not been spending his time in a way that served him or his goals. (laughs) And to think that I almost canceled this interview. You see, the day that I recorded this episode, I woke woke up with an awful cold, and you'll hear in my voice for sure, but I, I really considered calling Josh and just rescheduling it, but I realized that if I did, I would fail to show up on just my second day of recording interviews. I'd rather not have my voice at 100% than to not show up. And boy, am I glad I did. Just more than made up for my less than stellar performance with some tremendous insights and actionable advice for everyone. We spoke about living life on autopilot, the importance of giving yourself the time to think and reassess your life's direction, and many other things. I'm sure you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Here's my conversation with Josh McLean. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting-edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Josh, welcome to the show. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thank you so much for joining us. I was just sharing with everyone in the introduction uh, the great work that you've been doing and your book and how, you know, all this all this journey that you've been through. Uh, but instead of, of me sharing that, why don't you just let us know a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'll start with, I guess, current state and kind of maybe walk you back. So currently, I am uh, married to my beautiful wife, Lisa. We have two amazing girls. Uh, I work at my dream company, Nike. Uh, You may have heard of them, small startup in Oregon. And for me, uh, it's definitely easy to kind of get lost in the day-to-day shuffle. But my last 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years have really been what I call after-school special materials. So if I rewind the clock in high school, college, like drugs, alcohol were my identity. Coming out of college, uh, stumbled into a job, but basically let other people define who I was. And that meant I almost sacrificed uh, my marriage for academic achievement. I gained almost 40 pounds. So I was just super unhealthy in the pursuit of external achievement. And then a car accident happened and everything came crashing down. While that was definitely not something I recommend for a transformational type experience, the requirement for me was to put down the cardboard facade that I've been holding up, trying to play somebody else's game. And through that journey, I essentially found myself, I was able, I was forced to say, who is Josh? What am I really about? And you get deeper to what's my mission. So that's kind of where today my mission is. By day, I go into the swoosh and by night, uh, you know, author, working on building a digital course, really around helping people find their own aha moments so that they can really define and then live out their uh, live out their legacy. I think that's incredibly important work that you're doing. Uh, a lot of the times here with with our audience, what I what I share and what I let them know, and, and you and I were discussing this a little bit before the interview, is that it's super important 
to realize that that being healthy is a series of decisions that we make. So these are decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of the time, sadly, as human beings, we really need to hit rock bottom. Um, as you very well said, it's probably not a great idea for everyone to be out of <laughs> car accident. But but uh, realizing that that these things are happening and that life, if we don't do something about it, will just pass us by is 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 tremendously uh, valuable. So thank you so much for for doing the work that you do. Thank you. So in in your experience, um, obviously you you had all these different um, experiences and the car crash. You mentioned that that really got you like really rock button. Um, you know, you had been pursuing a business life. You had been pursuing uh, professional achievements, probably even financial achievements, and and leaving a lot of things to the side. What what made you realize that that you were not doing the right things or, or the really valuable things? I think the 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 biggest word, if you were to take all of the pain and laying on the floor and just literally uh, going to five to six doctor's appointments uh, a week for a season just to kind of recover and. Uh, but if you just take all of that out and you say, what was the biggest aha for me? And I was forced to create margin in my life, that the white space thinking time where as a type A person who realized that I left a lot on the table in my earlier life, I was driven to make up lost time, if you would, and just basically get to the end of what's possible that I could potentially achieve. But in that, there was no white space thinking time. There was no like pausing to reflect. There was no contemplation. It was just forward, go forward, go forward, continually progressing. And so the car accident forced me to press the pause button and the stop button in many cases and really just figure out is all this activity, is all this achievement, is it actually leading to something that I'm going to be happy with five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road? And so Having that forced just kind of contemplation time was really what changed the game for me where I, I had to look to say, wow, is this is working this many hours a day? Uh, is this really what I want to do? One of the funny but tragic stories that I like to share is uh, right before the car accident, uh, the project that I was working on uh, was something that I was passionate about. It was exciting. I love the people on the project, but the sacrifice I was giving meant that I was working at the dinner table. And most people hear that and they say, oh yeah, I've done some work at the table. They nod their head. And I'm like, no, I, I was literally uh, at the dinner table eating dinner with the family. One hand had the fork eating and the other was typing on a PowerPoint that was due the next morning. So that type of uh, just sacrifice work had infused every part, whether it was I was going in early, staying late, working at home, work became kind of everything. And that separation allowed me to say, hey, I need to intentionally, consciously build up other pillars of value that meant work is still important. It's where the income comes in. But ultimately, what's the life I want to be building? And working all the time certainly was not part of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I could not agree more. A couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to be part of a two-year-long business mastermind group. And what I realized when I got into this group, as, as a physician, when I went into medical school and I received training, nobody trains you in how to actually run a medical business. They train you right. how to provide medical services. 
So, so I reached out and I started getting educated. And, and when I first joined this group, I thought it was all going to be about, you know, marketing strategies and how to do all these, all these different deals. And, and, and in reality, when, when I was put in a room with all these super high successful businessmen and women, what they really emphasized on was exactly that. They said, listen, it doesn't make any sense at all to grow a business uh, for the sake of growing it, to grow your career for the sake of growing it. And just so that you can get the accolades and the awards if you're not spending time with your family, if you're not really doing all these things. And, and it was actually one of them who said, rank in your life, what are the most important things? And invariably, pretty much everyone said, family. So some of them said God and family, or some of them said family and God. But in reality, when, when he stopped and he said, okay, how many hours of your day are you dedicating to your family? How many hours are you dedicating to your work? And everyone's work was usually fourth, fifth, some, somewhere down the line, but it was still 80% of our time. So, so it, is, it is very, very important to, to realize. Now, going back to your story though, how do you suggest people realize this and, 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 and look for this situation without having to go through a rock bottom, you know, life, life altering situation? I think at some point you have to fabricate that type of emotion because most people are living in autopilot and they're living in their routines and habits. And that's, that's good. We survive instead of rethinking every particular decision and action each day, getting into habits and routines is good if they're serving you in the right direction. So uh, the course that I'm building is actually just up that alley of how do you create the life that you want to live, whether it's an abundant life or it's fulfilled, whatever word emotion resonates with you. And so the, uh, the structure is really built around six things. Uh, the first one being define your like what are your categories that you want to invest in that you need to invest in? These are the legacy categories. So, you have to be intentional. You have to pause and say 10, 20 years down the road. And the best question to kind of get jolted out of today is to say, if today was my last day on earth and I knew that I could still make some changes and, and get the outcome I wanted to, what would matter to you? So there's kind of the, you're on your deathbed question, but you still have your health. Okay. Well, what would you do today? The other one that for me was most a uh, little bit more powerful was Imagine that you were uh, observing your own eulogy. So you're at your funeral, so similar death type question, but this is different where the people that you know or the people that know you the best are now going up one by one. And what are they sharing about you? What are they saying about you? What memories do they uh, bring up? And that, for me, kind of created this really powerful introspection to say, is that is that the legacy? Is that the impact that I want to leave? And in many cases, the answer is no. So you kind of start with, okay, what are those categories? And similar to what you were talking about, there's there's your marriage, there could be your kiddos, it could be some kind of maybe your hobby or pursuit, whether it's kind of cycling, or you like to go hiking, or traveling, whatever those pursuits are, you kind of put those down on paper, and you say, these are the things. And then my process essentially takes people most people do planning left to right. They kind of start with today and they say, well, I want to do this. And they start going out and they lose track of the future or the why. And so my whole process is turn it upside down, figure out where you want to be in 20, 30 years, and then reverse engineer the 20-year vision, the five-year vision, all the way back down to what do you need to do in the next six months in order to be on track for 20 years? And then once you have that six-month calibration, 
then you can basically turn all of your attention to the next two weeks and you know that every action that you're taking is aligned to your 20-year vision and there is tremendous power. The caveat being most people uh, being a high achiever and looking for success, which I feel your audience falls into that category, the issue is once you start opening the Pandora's box of uh, dreaming or hoping, they want to do everything. They wanted to get it all done. They think that they can get everything done in a month or two months. And then they start playing the personal bully uh, role and they start beating themselves up. Well, I'm I'm a failure because I couldn't do these 10 new things. So the biggest muscle that you need to learn, which is not taught in school, is the power of no. Just saying flat out, this is not going to happen or the power of not now. So the power of not now for me has been the most strategically important. And I'll just give you a quick example. Uh, When I first started kind of building this framework was I wanted to both uh, invest time in the family, but I also wanted to learn golf. These two things independently were appealing. Uh, I would watch golf on TV and they were interesting and I, I could definitely talk about them and get excited. When I put them together, they were not compatible. The goals in of themselves meant that I had to, if I wanted to learn golf, I had to not only play rounds of golf, but I had to take lessons in golf and spend money and do these things. And I have a pair of custom clubs sitting in my uh, garage that I had inherited from somebody that happened to be the same build that I was. And I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to go golf. And I realized that golf was going to get in the way from time that I wanted to invest in my family. And so I was able to make a very non-emotional decision to say, nope, family is ahead of golf. It's more important than golf. And for right now, golf is not now. Maybe when the kids get older and there's more time and I don't feel like I'm taking time away, I hope to pick up golf. So that's the best example I can give of how do you actually flex that muscle? Yeah. And I think that's that's a great example because it's so important, just, just as important as, as the to-do list, for instance, it's a not to-do list. And when I look back and when I reflect, for instance, personally, in my life, the most important changes, the most important uh, growths, the most important uh, events have happened after I've actually said no to something. So after I've actually realized that, you know what, I love this, I like it, but in the long term, it's probably not going to give me the results that I'm looking for. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a clear example. So when I finished med school, I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. And I, I, I saw the things, I even went into residency, and then I realized that I really didn't have the patience to to work one on one, especially in this case with with moms, with the mothers of of the pediatric children. And you know, it was one of my mentors who said, "Well, you know what? Well, that's that's kind of the business." Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't really think this is the best thing. So I, I switched. I, I I dropped out of that uh, residency program and I went into age management and anti aging, and, and and that allowed me to to grow and to see so many other things. That, that I wouldn't have been able to do if I had stayed on that track and realized later on that it really wasn't what I wanted to do. And, and then the same thing happened a couple of years later when I realized that my strength at the clinic or at the place that I used to run or even now isn't really in the one-to-one uh, patient interaction or as a clinician. It's more of, of, of this, what I'm currently doing right now and, and, and stopping and really looking at the big picture and understanding what am I really good at and what do I really enjoy doing? And most importantly, what is compatible with the type of life that I want to live? 
that allowed me to realize and say, you know what, it, it's great. I, I, I still do, for instance, I still do one-to-one coaching, but that's at a much higher level. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, just for, for a very select group. Uh, other than that, I, I simply, that's not where my gift lies. So that's, that's only been able to happen because I stopped and I realized, you know what, I cannot do everything. So as the saying goes, you can do, you can do anything as soon as you realize that you won't be able to do everything. Yes. Well, your, uh, your example also, I think it illustrates an important point of defining your identity where many people uh, identify or they, they create this identity or they attach themselves to an identity that is just too narrow. And then that forces them into a box. And the best example, uh, if I'll illustrate kind of based on your, your story is if you were to define yourselves and attach emotionally to, well, I'm a pediatric, um, was it pediatric physician? Pediatric, pediatric surgeon. Yeah. Surgeon. So if, if you said people came across you and you said, I'm a pediatric surgeon and that's all that you associated with and you were consciously, subconsciously invested, even though you felt the incongruence of the, the role and the interactions, most people would continue to brute force through it because they, they feel that they have to live up to this quote identity. And the same is true in the corporate world where I'm a, maybe it's, I'm an accountant or I'm a designer and they narrowly define themselves by their job titles. And that means that their entire self has to fit into this small box and they lose sight of the, the things outside of a job title that light them up or if you define yourselves at a higher level where maybe you like to impact people through medicine or you impact people in the medical, whatever that thing is for you or others, then you're able to move in and out of different job titles or roles. And it's not that you're uh, running from jobs, but you're really, you're flexing the same muscle of impact and influence. And you just happen to be slotting into a different job. And that's actually a benefit versus staying in the, in the same job. Uh, for too long. So that's in athletes that I, I talk to have the same issue where they define themselves as I'm a, I'm a guard or I'm a quarterback or I'm a kicker, whatever the case is. And they get so wrapped into, I am my job title that once you have other ideas and dreams that take you away from that, this becomes a huge identity chaos type mindset shift that you have to really work through. Well, we see that happening a lot as well with uh, with moms. So in, in our community yeah. and with the kind of patients that, are, that that we've seen through through our different clinics, many of them are children, which is funny enough. In the end, I started, I, I ended up running uh, clinics and, and places that, that treat children. Um, so this happens a lot to moms because they are on the day-to-day, becomes such an, such an overwhelming job that that it becomes their identity and and deep down they know that that they don't just want to be mom i've had this conversation with evelyn my wife uh regularly uh, recently uh we have a one-year-old toddler so you can imagine uh the kind of commitment <laughs> that 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 requires from her and it's admirable yep. and she's sick and she'll she'll still do it and she'll go out and she'll take him you know outside and then they'll go to the park and they'll do all these different things and one of the things that worries her is that she feels like, well, I'm no longer myself. I'm Shavi's mom. I'm, I'm, I'm not Evelyn. And, and, and I think it is very important to realize and to stop and say, like, no, this is a face. This, is, this might be what I'm doing right now because he requires 
that amount of commitment from my part, but it doesn't mean that I will not do all those things later. So it's the not now, like you were saying. Yeah. There's also, I, th I think there's a sense of, um, uh, you had mentioned to-do list earlier, and I want to be very clear that the idea of the, the two-week blocks of actions that align to your purpose and vision in life, your legacy, those, I, I kind of, I call them something different because most people are running on their to-do list, on their day-to-day, -day, and there are to-do lists, but I view those as more basic, uh, potentially low-energy blocking and tackling required of life. So that would be go to the grocery store, pick up dry cleaning, take kids to party, whatever the, whatever the thing is, those are to-dos that are they're just tasks. They're, they're things that are required to keep the, uh, the day-to-day -day life moving. Those are not your legacy actions that are going to get you to your higher purpose. And so for me, you talked about, you know, uh, how are people before, before the call, we were kind of going back and forth. And one of the biggest ahas that I realize is creating two separate lists, right? There's your highly, uh, strategic aligned to your vision. Those are those are held for me at a higher level than actions and to dos. And so for me, when you complete those is vitally important. Where most people think each hour of the day is the same. Nine a.m. to ten a.m. is the same as one p.m. to two p.m. or seven p.m. to eight p.m. And you have to understand your personal dynamics. Right? What's the nature of your job? Do you have to get up early? Stay up late? Whatever it is, and where are you at your highest point of energy? Uh, there was an article in Harvard Business Review, early 2000s, is probably the first thing I read uh, coming into the corporate world, and it was called The Making of the Corporate Athlete. And it was really the thesis statement uh, for uh, the book, I think it's The Power, I think it's The Power of Full Engagement from uh, Jim Lore. Uh, but he talks about this idea of as a corporate athlete, you have to understand energy. You have to manage your energy. You have to know when are you at your highest peak performance. And I had never considered that. So for me, I do my best thinking from about 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. So I'm going to put all of my strategic vision, all of my uh, big, big tasks, maybe higher thinking tasks before 10 a.m. And then I'll do smaller tasks quick hit tasks later in the afternoon versus I used to think, oh, I'll get all of my small stuff done before going to the big stuff. And I was just getting exhausted. Yeah, that never works. I uh, There's there's another great book on that. Uh, it came out last year, uh, The Power of When. And and it actually talks about our, our different uh, circadian rhythms and, and how we should schedule certain tasks. So if it is a creative task, you should do it at a specific time. And if it is a, 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 like a mentally intensive, big focus task, you should do it at a different time. And, uh, and, and it's different for every one of us. And, and it keeps bringing me back to the same thing. We need to stop at one point, get off the autopilot, and, and, and really reflect. We have lost the art of just sitting and reflecting and thinking about even the mundane things and, and, and realizing, making all these realizations because none of them are earth shattering. But if we're constantly engaged in the autopilot, we just, we just miss them. Yeah. Uh, if you were to say, okay, great, we're done. Uh, give one piece of advice. The, the advice that I would give is to schedule a block of white space thinking time so it's not think about it, it's not talk about it, but it's literally put it on your calendar and that location cannot be anywhere that you normally go. 
It can't be your regular coffee shop. It can't be your house, but in the more like get out of your normal routines because that's going to trigger your mind to think differently. And then just go ask yourself, who am I becoming? That question, it wraps, there's a lot of just emotions in there, but it's the who, so it's really personal. But who are you becoming is, and it's different than what are you doing with your life? Because what are you doing for me brought in some negative emotions, but it's like, who am I becoming? It's father, uh, it could be a husband, or it could be even maybe your business owner, or it could be whatever the case is. But then you start to really reflect and then have some paper to start writing. I get analog really quick, turn the phone to airplane mode and just say, that space, that hour, that two hours, you were going to uh, start creating these aha moments. I use a phrase in my book that's, for me, I, I still laugh when I say it, but I, I call it chew the clarity cud. So I got the idea during one of my own white space thinking times of how do you, how do you get people to buy into the idea of thinking? How do you get people to buy into the idea of spending time that is intentionally not action oriented, right? You want me to schedule time to go think? That doesn't, how do I know if I'm successful? There's this, so when you think about it, you're oftentimes when you go into the shower, you have your most uh, um, surprising ahas, your most uh, unique because there's no distractions. It's just you and your mind. And so the idea of chewing the clarity cut is to set aside intentional spaces of time to think, to, to probe. And then that initial insight, that initial group of thoughts in similar to a cow's stomach your subconscious will take those ideas and start chewing on them. And then behind the scenes, it's chewing on them. And then when you pause next time, they'll come back up and they'll be mixed in with some new ideas. So that's like the second layer of, of insights. So you're like, oh, that, those are interesting. I don't know how they all work together. And then if your subconscious believes that you're serious about achieving this goal or solving this problem, it'll go back and it'll continue to do that. And that's when you have these disconnected thoughts or ideas come together into this beautiful aha moment of, wow, I, I need to do this, or I would have never thought about these, these two, three things together. Cause when you're moving too fast, you only see two dimensional, you see what's right in front of you, where once you start kind of chewing, contemplating, giving yourself some space, you start to see things in three dimensional that um, might seem crazy. And in some cases you should go do that crazy thing because it's super vivid and clear. Well, so there you go. That's, uh, you know, we always like to finish our episodes with a couple of uh, pieces of action of advice. So everyone listening, uh, it, it doesn't get any clearer than this. Uh, so make sure that you set aside some time today or tomorrow that is going to be outside of your regular places of, 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 of life. So outside of your office, outside of your coffee shop, outside of your house. And, and just go to a park, go to a library, go anywhere that, that you're kind of familiar with, but that you're not there every day. And, and set aside a time just to be with yourself, to contemplate, and to think about all these things. Uh, a couple of days ago, we interviewed uh, Jay Cole, a meditation author, and this was a question that, that constantly pops up. When I start meditating, how do I know I'm doing it right? Well, because you're showing up. That's, that's all you need to do. There, there's no score. There's no, uh, there's no bell. There's no, there's no clock ticking as long as you're showing up. And it's the same thing here. So make sure that you do that. Set aside some time, meditate, reflect on the person that you're becoming and, and think about, is this the direction that I want? If I don't change course right now, where am I going to be in 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road? And is that where I want to end up? Because it's very easy to get caught up in our day-to-day lives, it's very easy to get caught up with, well, I need to do this. Well, this is surgeon, this is surgeon, this is surgeon. And when you realize you've spent five, six, seven, ten 10 years of your life 
doing urgent things and in, in, in a, living a life that you're not happy with. So I think those are great pieces of advice, Josh. Thank you so much. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, where can people find out more about you? I'm sure that just from, from our conversation, I'm sure that a lot of people will want to be uh, notified when you launch your course. It, it sounds very interesting. I know that I for sure will want to be uh, on that list and probably my wife as well. So uh, where, should, where should our listeners go to? Yeah, the best place is just catalystignite.com uh, on there. Uh, I do have a free mini course on just kind of mindset and hidden roadblocks. I also, uh, you can get the first chapter of my book, so you can kind of get a sense of, is that uh, resonate with you? So the best place is catalystignite.com, or you can also go over to Instagram. I'm definitely uh, on there quite a bit, just josh.d.mclean. Otherwise, um, this is impactful. Love to kind of hear about it and hear what, uh, what resonated the most. So there you go, everyone. Catalystignite.com. I will make sure as well to link all of these resources in our episode notes. I'll make sure to have a link to uh, Josh's uh, Instagram profile, to his course, to his book. Uh, I, I realize that you can get it for free if you're a Kindle Unlimited reader as well. So make sure that you pick up a copy. Before you do that as well, as well, just go onto Amazon and check the reviews. Check what people are saying about this book. Everyone's just raving about it. it it's it's a short book. It's an easy to to to, to consume book. Uh, you've just heard our conversation with Josh. He knows what he's talking about. He's been there and you don't necessarily have to be that rock bottom to come back up at the turn of your life around. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Remember, if you like this episode to subscribe and leave your reviews, it really helps us get noticed. Any, any parting words, Josh? I'm going to leave with a quote because I think it's important for, for your audience. And it's from Jeff Olson who wrote The Slight Edge and it reads... People who live with huge, vivid, clearly articulated dreams are pulled along those dreams with such force, they become practically unstoppable. So my challenge is, how can you be remarkable and be unstoppable today? There you go. Great way to close the show. Much better than I would have done it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless.